LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, and folks, I still got a little bit of a frog. I can't help it. It's uh, steroids has started weaning down, and I'm still a little asthmatic, so I hit the old puffer. We'll see how long it lasts. We'll see how long it lasts. But before we get into all this great socialist stuff and pointing out the bullshit of the establishment and the orthodoxy, let me have a moment of weakness, a glorious moment of capitalist-induced weakness as I celebrate the destruction of the Philadelphia Eagles by my Washington commanders. Sorry, I know. Makes me scum, makes me a bad guy. Don't listen to anything else I have to say. I love fucking football. All right, let's get to it. So if you notice the image that we use for our show today, that is our dear friend Grima Wormtongue on the left, busy counseling one of the kings of the Lord of the Rings. I believe this was from the Two Towers. I might have been the Return of the King. End of Two I can't remember. Rodan, I think, was the, um, uh, the kingdom. Um, any event, the horse, the horse king, etc. And Gandalf and gang come busting into the king's throne, and there's there's uh, Grima Wormtongue sitting there. Oh, surely, your majesty, your greatness is oh so wonderful. Look at the king, man. The king is dying, man. He's a freaking corpse, practically. And there's the dude from the freaking exorcist looking just as normal as can be, whispering in his ear, poisoning him through the powers that be. And so to me, he represents the orthodoxy. He represents the economists. Uh, you know, you, you think back to the movie uh, 300 and you remember the mystics that were at the top of the hill. He climbs up to get their permission and they're like, you must give them the bird. You must let them have the woman. You must let them. You must spin three times and rub your belly. Whatever it is, they come up with all this bullshit, right? Now, I went to a thing called Economists for Peace several times, but one in particular, I went to uh, Stephanie Kelton, Bob Hockett was there, um, James Galbraith was there, uh, Marshall Auerbach, um, uh, uh, Joe Wiesenthal, um, a, t- a ton of big names were there. Lots and lots and lots of big names. Even some names that you know escaped me at this point because it's years ago. But inside there, there was a politician. His last name. Um, uh, it was right. And he was from uh, North Carolina. He had retired. He was no longer active. But what he talked about was how Congress is. And what he said is these Congress people, they don't know their ass from their elbow. They don't know what they're doing from one law to the next. They don't know what they're doing from one meeting to the next. They have staff that slips them little three by five index cards in between meetings or little scripts to run out and hear don't forget to say this and hear say that. These people don't have any idea what they're saying. They're not prepared. They don't know. Their handlers are feeding them the words to say, okay? Made a lot of things click in my head when I realized that. And he said, look, 
These people are not ideologically driven. For all the hubbub out there, for all the fist in the air and the land of hypocrisy, most people don't know what the fuck they're asking for, okay? And that's including the politicians. Many of these people are, you know, there is a, there's an old guard. There's a group of people that really are in the know that are part of the, the power structure, the deep state, if you will, that are entrenched in all things, whether they're actually elected or whether they're advised or whether they're part of the social group that gets together to talk about things. Either way, they're always somehow or another still in the mix. And those few people that really, really, really know, they're pretty fucking evil. The rest of them are literally receiving help from grime a warm tongue. Grime a warm tongue, filling their minds with bullshit. And so that brings me to a Harvard economist. And that Harvard economist, as many economists, and let's, before I get into the Harvard economist, I want to talk about what Clara Matei said in her book. She spoke specifically in the Capital Order about how economists, had created austerity. There's a political problem. The political problem is we're losing control. The economists were there to create a solution to maintain the order, the orthodoxy, the capitalist order. Because socialism was going to blow up. Socialism was going to take over. And these wretched, disgraceful people, the worst society has to offer, had to find a way to stop socialism from taking, I mean, this is going back to, um, this is going back to World War I in her book, but we're gonna talk about something more, more relevant right here, right now. And that is Jason Furman. So let's share our screen here real quickly. Jason Furman, now he's not the guy who wrote the thread. Let me just be clear. He's not the guy who wrote the thread, but he never misses a chance to take a shot at modern monetary theory. And by extension, never ever misses an opportunity to make spending on the people sound like it's insane. His, his bullshit comment is nice thread in case you don't get more than a few tweets into it, both crypto and MMT are hogwash but worth reading to understand why the implications of those reasons. Now, a bunch of us got in there, straw man bingo, MMT is magic money printing, you know, the magic money tree. And you could see, there, let's be fair, folks, I, I'm gonna get away. I wanna, I wanna say this point blank. If you stand against modern monetary theory, if, if you don't know what it is and you have negative things to say, do us all a favor. If you ever saw the movie, if you ever saw the movie Enemy at the Gates, you remember, he goes, my name is Nikita. You know, he, blah, 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 right? Uh, was it Khrushchev? Was it Khrushchev or was it? Anyway, he says, I am so-and-so. And this general had let the, the line fail. And he looked at the general and he goes, hands him a gun. And he says, why don't you do us all a favor? The general's shaking. He looks, he's like this. He goes into the room, shuts the door, and he's sitting with his arms folded across his chest, and all of a sudden you hear the economists and others that stand in the way of MMT. If they're not killing us with austerity, they need to turn the gun on themselves 
I don't want to die for their bullshit. And I don't want my kids to suffer. If anybody's got to die, let the people that are pushing austerity be the ones to pull the trigger. Let them be the ones to take themselves out. Stop taking everyone else out because austerity is murder. Most of you only recognize the murder when we talk about a gun. That's the only gun you understand. You understand a knife, you understand a gun, but you don't understand the power of austerity. Austerity literally is murder. By reducing interest, or excuse me, by increasing interest rates, they set the stage for making the cost of living higher. They set the wealth gap higher by giving money to the wealthy, and they create the conditions to begin the layoff process that kicks in the industrial austerity, which is making strikes illegal, making the working class uh, poor, and making them accept unacceptable conditions. And then they turn around, and then they use the fiscal austerity where they reduce spending. They stop spending, and all of a sudden it dries up, and then people are reduced to whatever you say I'll do, I just want to live. The people that invented that mindset, it's not real. God didn't create it. It's not science. It's not, it's a fucking control mechanism to maintain the capital order. And if you did that, if you're part of that, you have committed murder. Most people don't realize that's murder, but it is murder. And we're going to normalize thinking it's murder. We're not going to allow anyone ever that wants to cut the deficit to get away with being seen as just a regular person. They're a murderer. They are pushing for murder. I know this seems harsh, but you must understand that if we don't sound an alarm clock, if we don't make it painful for anyone to ever advance deficit reduction, for anyone to ever talk about reducing the national debt, for anyone to ever talk about killing inflation by raising interest rates, to ever think of them using layoffs as a means of control, any one of those, any one of those is an act of violence against the working class. Any one of those is an act of violence. I need you to normalize that. I need you to get that through your head. Stop thinking the only way is some young black kid in the street with his pants, with the gun turned sideways saying, oh, but that's the movies. That's the bullshit they feed us. That's what they want us to think. They want us to hate our neighbors. They want us to hate minorities. They want us to hate all these people. The reality is it's these rich fucks in elite schools that create these austerity narratives. And of course, they're above reproach. Of course, these people, these people are the ones. And if you could bring pitchforks and torches right to their front doorstep, Make their friggin' soft hands tremble in fear. Make them moisten and sweat. Make them terrified for their own existence because they have committed murder. See, if you think that the only people that are killing people are those with a gun, you'll let these fuckers off the hook. And they're the ones that are killing the most people. They're the ones killing the most people. They're the ones that suggest to do Austerity. They're the ones that suggest sanctions on other countries. They're the ones that suggest these things. They're the ones that are doing the actual grime a worm tongue. They're in the king's ear. They're the ones setting the stuff up. And remember, most likely, the king doesn't know his ass from his elbow. So if the king doesn't know his ass from his elbow, how what? We have to isolate the problem. And the problem is orthodox economics. 
Orthodox economics and the purveyors of economics. Yes, Larry Summers, Paul Krugman, all these people are wickedly evil people. Thomas Saul, wickedly evil people. Wickedly evil people. Okay? So let's go into this tweet storm here. Let's make sure we read it. Let's talk about through some of these are the MMT community coming back and firing back at Furman. Charles Hayden, you sound like a Trump voter talking about CRT. Why don't you put MMT in its place in a debate with Warren or Stephanie if you're so confident and righteous? You know, it's like he would never debate anyone competent in MMT. He would look like a complete idiot. I will deter delete my Twitter if he debates Warren, Stephanie, Randall, et cetera. And um, bingo, straw man, that's all he's got. And of course, it ain't what you know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure. Now, see, what is missing here? Let me just be honest. With all due respect to all my friends and all these folks are friends, clearly friends, not only of MMT, but in fairness to us as whole. They're part of us. They're RP, many of them. And you see, we come in droves, okay? And it's like, there should be a rule that people that have to define MMT before bitching about it. Every single time I met a critic on Twitter, they weren't actually criticizing the contents of Kelton's book. Anyway, whatever, you see the point. It's out here, all sorts of stuff. You know, there's something invigorating about people freaking about MMT. They treat MMT akin to the Ark of the Covenant in the first Indiana Jones movie. They're petrified that knowledge of the financial equivalent of the Holy of Holies will be released to the normal people because they project their greatest terrors onto the possibility that the public will be transformed and empowered by their knowledge of matters that much of the financial world has understood for at least a century. Folks, right there, that much of the financial world has understood for a century. They know this stuff. They know it. And here's what I said to dear Mr. Furman. I said, dear God, Jason Furman, a man paid to ensure austerity rules blabs on about subjects activists could run circles around you with. Just infuriating because we know austerity is murder. You are a practitioner of austerity. That makes you, sir, a murderer. Okay? Now, this is him just repeating this idiot. So let's go to this idiot, Atif Mian, okay? On the connection between crypto and MMT and what tells us about money and public finance. The crypto bandwagon was about privatizing money, a decentralized techno-utopia where society is to break free of the tyranny of fiat money. The MMT bandwagon was about the opposite. We can have a utopian world as long as there's a centralized government with its own fiat money. We already have it, fucker. Both were hogwash. I, look at this guy. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a quick question. How long do you think that guy could hold up in a cage match with somebody who really genuinely needs to live, with somebody who is suffering, with somebody who is desperate. How long do you think he would survive in a locked room? Look at him, he's pathetic, he's just wimpified. This is a person who kills people with their idiocy. So imagine if the people that he is putting in harm's way had an opportunity to have him trapped in a place where he had to consider what he was doing. I think people like this take it for granted that we'll just assume that it's all above our head and that they won't actually fight back when they realize that they're advocating austerity. 
Anyway, he comes in, both as hogwash. Money is a public good. Okay. Rather than a public trust, um, I don't think that's true at all. And should remain as such, there is much we can benefit from if we can manage money properly at a societal level. That is the entire field of monetary economics. Study it. But as a science, it's fascinating. Yet sometimes money is not managed well. Think Zimbabwe, Turkey. or more. See, this is the idiocy. Let me stop there. Let's start right there. Let's start right there. This right here, this guy, this guy right here is literally telling you that he doesn't know anything, anything about economics. He's literally telling you Zimbabwe. Let's, let's talk about Zimbabwe for a minute, just for a second. Zimbabwe, you had a civil war going on. You had the lands, the farmlands that were owned by the colonizers that knew how to farm. Give them credit. They knew how to produce food. They knew how to produce grains and all the other things that they needed to do. They were good farmers. Mugabe took all the farmland. Good for you, Mugabe. Took it away from the colonizers. And on the way out the door, the colonizers threw a torch in the fields and burned up the fields. Well, the villagers and everything were warriors. They were not skilled farmers. So not only did they lose the fields behind them as they were set on fire, but they also didn't have the skill to redo it. So they lost their food sovereignty. So in order for them to survive, they had to take on foreign debt. See how this plays out? Debt denominated in a foreign currency. They could have printed a million Zimbabwean dollars and it wouldn't have mattered because the goods and services that they needed were having to be produced outside of the country, payable not in Zimbabwean dollars, but in foreign reserves that they didn't have. So let's get back to this ass crystal, this sucker, this piece of shit, okay, that literally is privileged but doesn't know anything, but he's out there talking shit like he does. The reality about money is that there's sometimes you have to keep it tight to keep inflation in check, and other times you have to keep it loose to keep demand sufficient. No algorithm can figure this out, just like a cancer. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's really talk about that for a minute. Money does not cause inflation, period. There is disgraceful, disgusting, murderous, horrific losers that are gold fetishizers and what they call sound finance people, okay? They think that the amount of money in the economy creates inflation or deflation. The fact of the matter is, is that if I give one person $1 trillion, they're only going to have so many things to buy with it. And then they're going to shove that money somewhere. They're either going to put it in some sort of fund. They're going to have it sitting under the mattress. They're going to do something. There's only so much money that they can spend to that $1 trillion before it's like, wow, what do I do here? Okay. You and I, if they took that $1 trillion and they gave it to all 350 million people in the U.S., not a trillion, but a portion thereof trillion, and everybody had that, now what you have is a situation where every single person has the agency to exact their demand. Now, If production hasn't kept up to allow 350 million people to get the thing that they want, there is going to be scarcity and no amount of dollars is going to help them buy that good or service. It's going to be a competition for a very scarce reason. People are like, 
think about it like this. Pretend like it's Grateful Dead tickets or Dead and Company. The list price on the Dead and Company ticket is 200 bucks. Some snapperhead camps out for a week, buys 20 tickets, goes out and sells each one of them for $1,000. Is the ticket suddenly worth $1,000? It's worth $1,000 because everybody wants to go, but there's only 50,000 tickets, and they've got however many of them. So they drive that up, right? Think about Christmas. You got the paper. It's like, oh, my God, the new PlayStation 5 is coming out for Christmas. Best Buy has got a midnight special. If you camp out, you can buy a, min a maximum of two of them, right? Whatever. So the whole family stays out, and each one has their own credit card, and they walk in, and each one of them buys two. They go home, and they sell these things that were sold for 500 at the store. They now sell them for $1,500 each, and they get it. Why? Because there's not enough PlayStation 5s, and everybody wants one, okay? So this is driving up the cost, but it's not a matter of the amount of money. It's a matter of everyone being able to exact it, and is there productive capacity for the economy to support everyone's productive needs, okay? So understand this. MMT will tell you the limits of spending are inflation. But I'm here to tell you inflation, as we think about it in the textbook framing, isn't literally the way it works a lot of times. How do you explain record profits? Meaning after costs, after employee salaries, after whatever else, all the money on the top, the gravy trade. How do you explain Amazon with 333% profit increase during the pandemic? That's not sales increase. That's profit increase. And then say we've got an inflation problem. I want you to think about what I'm saying. Inflation is the persistent rise in all prices. The rise in one price or the rise in another price is what we call a relative value story. Inflation, though, is the persistent rise of all prices. Okay? So let's get some terminology down. All right? So could you see a relative value story in the housing market? Yes. Why? Let's look at the number of houses available. Let's look at the price. Let's look at the interest rates, et cetera. Point is, all these things are being said to limit. It sounds so logical that we limit the amount of money into the economy, that we limit that. Because after all, we've been convinced that quantity of money creates inflation. In fact, Milton Friedman more specifically said, all inflation is created by government spending. All inflation. Let me tell you where he's slightly right and where he's way wrong. The government being the monopoly issuer of the currency doesn't print money, send it to banks, and let them just distribute it as loans go out. The federal government spends money on contracts. That's how money gets created. It doesn't get created. Hey, print up the money, Charlie. We got to put them on pallets and take them to the bank, and then we'll use them. Then we'll spend them. Yeah, that's what the dumb fucks say, right? Yeah, the dumb fucks say that shit. They're printing money. Yeah, fucking dumb fucks, right? You stupid guy, don't you? Printing money. Yeah, that, that shit. That's not how it works, okay? And so this is the other shit these fucking knuckleheads say. However, when you receive it back as a tax, we know fundamentally that is currency destruction. It's wiped out. It's done, okay? Money spent into the economy, a reserve is tallied on the other side of the ledger. 
When a taxes come back, a reserve is eliminated. It zeroes out game, set, match. Obviously, we have this treasury general account that they have like a numerator to say, hey, the account level is at this level. We can't have it open. So we always got to have money going into TGA, treasury's general account. Stop. It's bullshit. It's like the social security trust fund. It's that, okay? So they use these tools to try and baffle you with bullshit to make you believe that if they spend money, it's creating inflation, that the amount of money in there is debasing a baseless currency. Imagine these people, imagine being so worthless, helpless to think that you can debase a free-floating currency. How do you debase a currency that has no base? You would have to be worthless to say that, right? Worthless. Because in the end, what we're talking about really is they've decided to harden the dollar by raising interest rates or raising taxes or whatever to make getting a hold of money harder, to make your life a little more challenging, to institute austerity. Okay? Now, let's get back to our, our dude here. Let's get back to our guy. He's got a lot of things to say. We already addressed this whole thing. To have a civilized society, we need to come up with a system that selects competent and upright individuals. Here's the conservative here. Hey, con competent and upright individuals who will govern till the term ends. Governing money is no different. We have to make it work, Satoshi Namaka. Cannot do it for us. Let's come to MMT or rather public finance now. If we can manage our collective money well, <laughs> manage your collective money well, there's a prize that we can all share. And what's the prize? Simply put, we can convince people to hand us their apples and oranges, and they have grown great effort in return for a piece of paper. The piece of paper suddenly has value. You are a fucking moron, 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 okay? I don't know how many times we have to tell the fucking money story, the importance of the money story. When the king, when the king decides that he wants to have a standing army, or the king decides he wants an aqueduct, or the king decides that he wants uh, whatever, he wants something, goes to the people, says, people, Will you do this for me? People say, nah, I don't really feel like doing it. King goes, I'll give you a gold coin if you do it. The guy goes, how am I going to do with a gold coin? I don't need your gold coin. And King's like, shit, you got a point. How can we change that? I know. Tell you what, brother, I'll let you keep your house. But you got to give me 10 gold coins with my face on it to keep your house. Guy goes, holy shit. How do I get a hold of those coins? He's like, ha, huh. thanks for asking. See, I, I, I have these things that have to be done. I have these things. I need an aqueduct. I need a standing army. I need whatever. And uh, I'll give you 20 gold coins if you do this for me. It's like, great, man. I'll have extra 
and I can pay the thing so I don't lose my house. That sounds great. They're like, shit, yeah, okay, so we've got all the mileage we can get out of the house. Now what other kind of taxes can we install to coerce them into doing something? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Or maybe we institute a tax because we want to stop them from doing something. Hmm. Okay, so we call that a Pagovian syntax. So we do that. Hmm. But none of this is a funding thing. The king is giving the gold coins that he created, that he owns, to the people in exchange for the work that they do. Okay. But he's not giving them these coins because he needs them back because, oh, my God, whatever will I do without the gold coins? He's giving it to them because the tax, the coercive tax, that coercive tax is what drives the market, creates the market. It's not about your faith in the dollar. It's about your desire to stay out of jail or to keep in your home or to whatever, right? In the end, that's what creates the scenario. It's very unfortunate that people have worthlessly reduced it to, well, what if I lose faith in the dollar? Well, tell me what you're going to pay your tax in, dude. Are you going to pay your tax in faith? Are you going to pay it in like, you know, songbirds, chicken necks, sexual favors? What are you going to pay them in? The only thing they want is your U.S. dollars. They don't want Chinese. They don't want Japanese. They don't want the pound. They don't want nothing. They want U.S. dollars. Why? Do you think the government that creates the currency out of thin air needs your money? Oh, my God, whatever will we do without the people's money? They don't care. It's deleted, folks. They need you to need it. That's why they impose the tax. The tax serves as a social control. It serves as a means of allowing the government to provision itself by tying this coercive thing to it. It's that simple. It's that simple. So let's get back to Snapperhead here. So he says, and when money is run well, so it has value, government treasury can extract part of that value to pay for public goods. Yes, it is true, but we've always known. This is the idiot. Folks, this man, this man is a cancer. He's a cancer. Look, look at this. This is the dumbest fucking thing I have ever seen in my life. Re read that. And when money is run well, so it has value. You just can't make this stuff up. This guy is like, I mean, just, it's just horrible, horrible, evil. He's not misguided. He's not misguided at all, folks. He's not misguided in the least. He knows precisely what he's saying. He knows precisely what he's saying. And as a result of this, as a result of this, you go back here, and there he is, whispering in the ears of kings, whispering in the ears of students, whispering in the ears of Twitter, has a huge, 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 huge following. Huge following. Let's look at his following. I mean, huge being relative. But look, Homeboy Bonanza's got 137,000. And look where he's from, Princeton. Princeton. Look at this. 
This is a gentleman right here that genuinely, I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I can only know that he's an austerian. He's a gentleman that does not understand what he's doing to people. And he believes it's all just the way it is. But guys like Jason Furman and him are in the ears of all these people, all these people that run policy. And this is how the capital order retrenches itself. They make it seem like, of course, we sometimes have to, sometimes we have to uh, tighten monetary policy. Okay. And you know what? There are times where it makes sense because of an import-export type arrangement where government wants to create some kind of a scenario. I mean, these are all tools. But the idea that there's like, we can only spend this much. If we have unemployment, the deficit's too damn low. It's a distributional problem. Remember, if the rich have godzillions of dollars, and the champagne glass of the economy means the rest of us have nothing, very little. And these guys, these fat cats that are advising kings and queens and politicians and teaching students their bullshit. Imagine, I want you to imagine this. Imagine being an academic at Princeton or Harvard. Imagine being an academic a tenured professor that has no fear of losing their job. Talking to a world of people that are one decision away from losing their job and their homes and their families and telling them, we're going to have to tighten our belts. We're going to have to tighten our belts. These guys are the evil. They are the evil. They're not misguided. Don't let any tone police, don't let any kind of perverse, sensitive person twist you into freaking orbit. These people are evil and they know what they're pushing is austerity. They know they're doing it. And when you lose your job, when Twitter lays off 10,000 people and Amazon with all their profits lays off tens of thousands of people and they get the ball rolling for all the layoffs and they start getting that ball rolling and people start committing suicide and families start breaking up. It's just a price to pay, man. Should have made better choices. Should have made better choices. Should have made better choices. I'm serious. I wonder if these guys were not isolated in the ivory tower, if they were forced to meet the people that have to deal with the outcomes of the things they say. I wonder how they'd fare. I think we keep pointing at the wrong people. I think we need to be looking at them. Their profession demands. The capital order stays intact. Their profession demands that they be the purveyors of austerity. And austerity is murder. And if you continue to believe that the only way death occurs is via a gun or via war, and you don't realize the economics that they're pulling is murder. If you don't recognize that, 
you may miss the most important battle of our lives. Again, these guys advise AOC. They advise Rashida Tlaib. They advise Ilhan Omar. They advise all these folks, the Democrats, Joe Biden, all these people. The right wing has even worse crazy people involved in their world. But the Democrats are literally advised by these people. They can't answer any of the questions. They just say things and they think that because you believe it institutionally, that it's not ideological in any way, that you'll just take it as, oh, well, of course it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. Who's to argue with conventional wisdom? Who's to argue with that? So I look at this and I say to myself, unless I get you all to begin really, really understanding the war you're in, you're in a war. You didn't know it. You didn't realize you're the, you're the one that's going to be left out. Oh, we, oh, by the way, we have MMT folks that are absolutely advising folks. The problem is, is that the orthodoxy is powerful. The orthodoxy didn't come to power without violence. Orthodox economics is about violence. It's about oppression. It's about ensuring the order stays intact. It's class war. It's about ensuring that no matter how many bad mistakes the rich make, they'll always be okay. And that anybody below has to win the lotto to get out of the hell. And even then, they're always climbing up a greased pole. Okay? This is not by accident in any way, shape, or form. This is what they're there to do. And all the people that are crushed by it all the death that comes from it. You, not them, you need to normalize that it's murder. You need to normalize that. You need to talk to your friends about these economists that are pushing austerity and really respect the fuck that they are trying to kill you. Don't fucking downplay that. They're literally trying to make your life hell, to entrench the powers that they represent. So there's a lot of gentlemanly people out there that won't say this stuff is murder. I don't know why. I don't know what they gain from it, whether they want to still be able to go out to dinner with these people at five-star restaurants, whether they still want to go to conferences and hang out and rub elbows, whether they're afraid they won't get invited to conferences around the world and they want to make sure because their careers are you know, important that they maintain the, the money train by staying in these people's good graces. But these people are murderers. They're killing people. Their recommendations for how to clear markets in the global South have killed tons of people. In Africa, killed tons of people. In South America, killed tons of people. You've seen what we do when we need real resources instead of handling our business. We have this, we'll expropriate it from the rest of the world. There's millions of Middle Easterners dead in pursuit of these kinds of 
economic and neocon goals. The austerity narrative is powerful. That's why everyone, and I've talked about this before, and Clara Matei talks about this before. This is why you have it with Benito Mussolini, a fascist in Italy, and right away on the other side of the coin, you had it with Churchill in England. Austerity is meant to entrench the capital class, period. To entrench it, to make it immovable, and to make you and I the only ones living in precarity so that we can serve the needs. No, we're not getting sold in chattel slavery. No, what we're doing is we're in an open-air prison of the same variety. And instead of being whipped, society as a whole is being run down with fines, fees, and penalties, debt peonage, jailing people, chasing them down, you name it. I know that we've got a lot of sensitive people that don't like to use words like murder and things like that. But sometimes you've got to be the shock that wakes people up. Sometimes you've got to be the one because everybody else is sleepwalking, folks. They're bumping into walls eight bit style. What did you say? It's clueless. If you have the knowledge, you must wake them. See, for years I've taught the MMT is a state, you know, public monopoly. It's a creature of law. It's this, that. We've talked about it extensively. The extent, hey, Jules, put that uh, Austerity is Murder t-shirt out there. You're out there. Please, somebody put that austerity is murder. I have it somewhere. I'll get it out there to you because it's awesome. I love it. But I want you to be aware, seriously. When these people start talking, Obama, I want you to think about Obama. We got to eat our peas. We got to tighten our belts. Austerity. Immediate austerity. Austerity. If you understand that, Bill Clinton, we got to make government efficient. We're going to build a bridge to a new tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to redefine government. We're going to put a lifetime cap on welfare five five years. We're going to make it hard for single moms. We're going to balance the budget. We're going to have a surplus. And all the Democrats went, Ooh, Bill Clinton had a surplus. And W spent the surplus away. Fucking, can you imagine what kind of moron, kind of whatless fuck would say that? Bill Clinton took more money out of the economy, ended automatic stabilizers for the poor, for the people that really needed it, made life hell. Joe Biden made filing bankruptcy almost impossible, made eliminating student debt almost impossible. austerity and what's worse is you see every vote blue sycophant running around we need democrats in office because they're the only ones that know how to handle money they'll reduce the deficit imagine imagine being that person 
that's swayed by that disgraceful thinking. Imagine being that person and thinking that that's okay. It's like, imagine, imagine celebrating Bill Clinton, reducing the deficit, eliminating wealth, going after the welfare queens. Imagine, imagine it. Once you understand that, if you can look at them in the same way as good people, once you understand that, you can say, oh, well, Bill Clinton, Hillary, what do you mean? It's just misogyny. It's just misogyny if you don't like Hillary. Although she said, I'm going to follow Bill's method to a T. I'm going to create all these free trade agreements. I'm going to ship the jobs outside the United States. I'm then in turn going to turn it into service economy. And then I'm going to play austerity games with the people. You could celebrate that. You're sicker than the Republicans. You're sicker than Trump. You're a perverted person. You're gross. I'm not giving people passes for being misguided anymore. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving them passes anymore. I have not seen it benefit us at all. I have not seen any of giving them the benefit of the doubt. And, and playing slow play with this. I've not seen any evidence. All the gentlemen's club out there dealing with this guy, these people, okay? The Jason Furmans of the world, right? I mean, my God, here, let's get back to Furman here. Now that you know what you know, nice thread in case you don't get a few tweets into your crypto. So, once we get into that and we just recognize how bad this whole thing is, you realize that these people are advising the people that are making policy. And you realize that the policymakers don't understand money. They don't understand economics. Many of them are just fist in the air in the land of hypocrisy, getting elected, but not knowing a fucking thing about how money is created. Think about this. Congress, Article 1, Section 8, says Congress alone has the power of the purse. Imagine electing a Congress critter that doesn't understand modern monetary theory, doesn't understand that they are the ones that create money when they spend that money into existence. Imagine. So when these advisors come through and they tell these people these things, When you understand that, when you see guys like this come up and you realize these politicians don't know what they're talking about and you realize the rank and file who sit there and suckle up to the vote blue sycophants and find it to be okay. Imagine, imagine being so party devoted that you can't think for yourself. Imagine being so completely and utterly blocked from reality that all you care about is what the party tells you. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four, 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 four. No, Winston, whatever the party tells you. If the party tells you it's three, it's three. If it tells you it's five, it's five. Whatever the party tells you. We tell you it was Russian bombs, that it was Russian bombs. Even if it was Ukraine, we're going to tell them that. Just the party said. 
Imagine. Imagine that. So we've got several battles, several battles going. We've got the rank and file that support austerity unknowingly. We've got the politicians who support austerity unknowingly. Get into office, they're regular people, don't know their ass from their elbow. They, they don't know. They have no idea. But damn it, they're loud and proud and they're in office. And then you got the old timers that really do know. And you got the economists that all know. Still say it. I'm telling you, economists, neoclassical orthodox economists are the devil. They're where the problem lies. They are the ones that are doing this. And then they work hand in glove with a media that's not trained either. A media that's just trying to get a story out the door who has a, um, if you remember, I did a interview with a journalist from uh, Barron's a few years back. And she talked about the fact that most of these writers don't have the time to research their articles the way that they should. They've got deadlines, they've got editors, they've got other people that in essence rewrite it, create the title, find the picture, change the references, com practically completely rewrite their articles. So the publishing of mainstream media for these narratives is atrocious and it's part of the austerity method, the, the part of the austerity model. Think about this, Jeremy Corbyn couldn't economic his way out of a paper bag, but he's a socialist. So you're caught in this weird pickle. He's fighting for labor. He's an idiot when it comes to economics. Now, if you're smart and you're not an asshole that just like, I love Jeremy Corbyn. I can't say anything about him. If you're that person, earmuffs, it's going to hurt because I'm not going to say something kind. He doesn't know economics. He's got the right sensibilities, but he always comes back. His answer is always the taxpayer dollar, all the old sound finance, and basically what Furman and the rest of them are saying. On one hand, he's saying these revolutionary things while simultaneously saying austerity, really hyping and pushing austerity. Bernie Sanders, we're going to have a Wall Street speculation tax. Let's talk about that for a minute. Bernie Sanders was around Stephanie Kelton forever. His wife, Jane Sanders, knows MMT. Brother Larry out there, Greens from the UK, knows MMT. Bernie has built a life around kind of careful messaging. Unfortunately, Bernie never fully openly embraced MMT, though he gave Stephanie run of the land. But when it came down to it, he would always say, we're going to have a Wall Street speculate. Let's talk about that. Wall Street speculation, if your goal is to curb speculation, you will put a tax on it. It's called a Pagovian tax or a syntax. The goal is not to raise funds from a Pagovian tax. The goal is, in fact, to change a behavior. So once you put a Pagovian tax on Wall Street speculation, now all of a sudden the goal is to curb Wall Street speculation. Once you curb Wall Street speculation, what does that do? to the revenue stream if you're trying to fund a project via a Pagovian tax. Well, your revenue drains, it's, it's, it diminishes because you're trying to change a behavior. You're not trying to fund a program. Programs are all self-funding, every single solitary program, including the military. 
including Social Security, including a complete public works of every variety, could be self-funding from the federal government. It is self-funding. The government doesn't collect revenue to spend. It collects revenue to keep you needing the demand for that currency. So when you talk about making things harder, what is the point? It's a matter of social control over you and I. It's when the great resignation happened, what happened? People had a little bit of extra and they decided they didn't want to go back and do this anymore. They didn't want to do the do. They wanted off the hamster wheel. The Austerians couldn't have that. They needed to generate a recession to force people back to work. This is austerity. This is what they do. And so when you see these guys who are actively pushing austerity, like Jason Furman, it's important to understand. Very, very important to understand. He's not ignorant. He knows. It's malevolent. It's murder. So how do you message that to people whose ears burn whenever you say something harsh? I don't know. For me personally, I'm repulsed by people that get offended by harsh language. I find them to be repulsive in their own way. I find them to be Karens. I find them to be, can I talk to your manager? I find them to be the polite police that literally crush the suffering at the, so they can keep the fat cats feeling happy in their bliss. Okay. I despise polite police tone police despise them okay because they silence the alarm they blunt the instrument they dull the tip of the spear and they're gambling with lives that are going to be lost because of their sensibilities I want you to think about that. Now, I want you to think about something else, too, in this process. Because the federal government in our country and other countries creates the currency, it has a different set of rules than the currency users who receive the currency, like the states. So when you look at a state, you've got to be able to manage your budgets at the state level. Almost all states, I think one, Connecticut, I believe it is, doesn't have a balanced budget amendment in their state, a legal requirement to balance the budget. It's the only one. Every other one has to. So these governors, these municipalities, they either have to really be great on investments and bonds and stuff like that, or they got to have a really great revenue stream. Because if the federal government cuts off the spigot, they got to be able to survive federal austerity because they in turn become a cog in the machine where they have to implement austerity at the local level, layoffs, reduce services, tax increases, you name it. So, all right, my voice is given out on me. I'm gonna leave it open. I know there was a bunch of super chats, so I'm gonna go through here and read them all off. Let me just say point blank, thank you all for all your great support. I really hope you guys are are getting something from these shows. I'm trying to make them interesting. I am intentionally being strident. I'm intentionally 
being harsh to try to make the point. Um, do I believe what I'm saying? A hundred percent. I believe these people are evil murderers. I'm not lying. That's not hyperbole in any way, shape or form. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and share these super chats because I really appreciate We need them. We need them very much. We need people to become monthly donors too. Thank you, Double K, for the Super Chat 1999. And coming through here, we got Mark Fabian. He says, the last person we hang will be the one who sold us the rope, Karl Marx. And then we got another Double K. Thank you so much once again, Double K. As we scroll through, let's see. Okay. I know there was more. Yes, there's K. Cat. Cat Faye Garrett, thank you. Steve is bringing the laughs to Austerity Economics and MMT. I hope you're feeling better soon. Thank you. I hope I am too because this is getting annoying. Uh, Double K again. My God, Snapperhead, love it. Yes, I got a million chucklehead nicknames. Trust me. Um, keep going. I'm a sucker for super chats, and I'm not going to lie. I will read them out every last one of them as I find them. Um, Here's a bunch of stuff. Don't forget to get the Austerity is Murder t-shirt. You can find the link in the uh, live chat. Make sure we get that out there. Um, all right. I think we're getting to the end. My goodness, there's a lot of comments. I love it. All right. All right. Well, with that in mind, it's getting close to lunchtime. I've got, or excuse me, getting back to work time. Um, I really hope that you guys are getting something from this. I genuinely do. Um, I know it's hard. Some of the stuff is hard. Um, some of the stuff I've come up with synthesizing from other people. I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not original in any way, shape or form other than possibly tying together the works of different people in that sense, maybe it's original, but I, I don't take any claim to original content and other than my own storytelling content that I'm pulling from is from people. My assessment of this about it being murder though, I believe that it's known. I believe everyone knows it's murder. I'm ashamed that more people don't call it murder. I am. I'm ashamed people don't call it murder. So with that, my friends, I am Steve Grumbine. I am the rogue scholar. I will not be live on Friday because we're getting a puppy. We're getting a puppy. Family needs some loving, so we're getting a puppy. So I'll tell you about the puppy in another live stream. His name is going to be Mr. Puppers. That's what, that's what our kids decide they wanted to name. It's going to be a little teeny uh, Jack Russell Terrier. Should keep me interesting lifestyle as I try to puppy train a dog. <laughs> anyway, with that, I am Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar. Catch us on podcast too, folks. We're on all your, so if you don't want to see my ugly face, you can listen to us on the Rogue Scholar, which is available on every other podcasting platform out there. With that, I'm out. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org.